hoping that a lot of I's will be dotted and T's crossed and uh, blanks filled in, but we'll see. You know, again, to date, this committee has done a quite remarkable job of laying out its case. Uh, before we start, though, I just wanted briefly to say that my thoughts are with all of the families in Parkland. Um, I wish they could have been spared this latest cruelty. Uh, so I just wanted to say that before we turn to the hearings. Um, so just to remind everybody, because it has, it again, it's been three months since the last hearing. And uh, hi, Jen. Um, I, oh, you know what? I totally, Jen, I just, I just sent out thoughts to the Parkland families um, after this absolutely horrific morning they had to suffer through. Um, but uh, anyway, I was turning, turning to the hearings. But before that, I wanted to thank Jen and Dahlia for co-hosting so beautifully the other day when I couldn't be here. And uh, thanks to Dean and Adam and Brian for showing up and for to our special guest, Jen Rubin, who is amazing as always. Um, so Jen, it's been three months uh, since the last hearing, which was supposed to be held, but uh, or which was scheduled, but was postponed because of Hurricane Ian in Florida. And rightly so, I, I think. What I don't understand. Hey, George. Ladies. Hey, Brian. Hey, hi, guys. What up, B? What up, man? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just, before we, I keep saying, before we get started, this is the seventh time I've said before we get started. Um, we we have all taken a vow of silence, apparently. I didn't know about it either. So We did? Who we did? knows? Who knows what's going on? I know you're happen. not talking about me. Silence? I'm not, I'm not talking about me either. But uh, dur during the hearings, we are going to be as circumspect as possible with our comments. Um, anyway, so this is this is a hearing that was supposed to happen three months ago. It was rescheduled, rightly so, because of Hurricane Ian. However, did anybody think it was going to take them three months <laughs> to get... I, I, is it, it, is it possible? Is it possible that they started stumbling upon some delicious and juicy tidbits that they wanted to really like get a grip on before being hasty. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. But at the same time, there's another solution to that, which is have more hearings. Uh, you know, I know that um, they, the that. reason they can't go beyond today is because all of the people on this committee, with the exception of the two Republicans, are running for re-election. <laughs> Because we have such a stupid system that members in the House have to run every two years. Um, so I understand that. Uh, but I also understand that there's so much at stake that, um, you know, uh, there's there's also a very good po possibility, unfortunately, that uh, the Democratic House will be in a lame duck session after this November election. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. But the Republicans have essentially, one of the things they've run on is if we win, there will be no more hearings about 
the greatest violence against this capital since the 1900s and the only time the sitting government has you know committed a self coup or attempted a self coup so it's it seems to me that there's a, some urgency now listen i think after the first live stream we did of the first hearing, we all kind of learned our lesson about not jumping to conclusions, not not being too critical before we had all the facts. And and clearly this committee has done an exemplary job, a brilliant job, in fact, not only of laying out its case, but of doing it in a way that was consistently compelling and um they eloquent. understand what makes good TV. Yeah, and that's um, that is important. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, uh, you know what? Don't don't go ahead. I'll I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> I just wanted to do. Uh, I I have. What? I, I what did I miss? I thought what? you said what? I have a thing, and then I you oh, started I was eating not your sandwich. Yet. But go uh, ahead, you do your. Oh, thing. I thought you were eating anyway i am i'm doing it for all. people for people who are watching and don't know like on the side we've got this <laughs> private chat thing and jen taub like pipes up in the chat i have a thing and so i'm looking at like what does it mean what is it right. and <laughs> now it could either mean i have something else to do that's apparently more important than you know i have something to say unthinkable right, but then i was waiting for i saw to that and then you started eating your sandwich so it's not a sandwich you know what, what we don't have a rice we don't cake have with Whatever. vegan cheese, Mary. That's that's a sandwich. Um, so we, we <laughs> don't have a lot of time. So I, I okay. Jen has a thing that she wants to say, but then very quickly, I want each of us to talk to say quickly what has been so far the most significant moment, and what are you hoping happens? What do you think the committee needs to do today to put the last nail in the co coffin? I know Hi, what Dahlia. Do, but... Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, the most significant thing to me, which is what my thing was, I was going to say is the delivery of Cassidy Hutchinson and, um, and everything around people inside the white house who, who witnessed, um, the, the before the during and the after around the insurrection and can say what Donald Trump was doing and what he wasn't doing and who anticipated in advance the violence that was going to ensue. That's critical. And we see that regardless of what the fact that this is probably the last hearing of this committee, we've got um, Fonnie Willis using her as a witness. We now have it leaking out that maybe the valet who was directed by Donald Trump to move the boxes might have also been involved in or witness to the um, insurrection. I don't think any of that stuff would have come out with had it not been Cassidy Hutchinson. I think she's a groundbreaker. And I think the existence of the committee created the opportunity for her to tell that to the world and not be um, just sort of privately interviewed by DOJ. Mm -hmm. Or threatened. Yeah, right. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I want I want everybody to remember a couple of things. Um, beside that, beyond the fact of what Jen just alluded to, that uh, there is so much else going on around the periphery of this here, these hearings and this committee's work. Uh, we've got Georgia. We've got Letitia James in New York. We've got uh, E. Jean Carroll garnering victory after victory. By the way, I just want to say thanks so much, Donald, for defaming her again. As Pretty a private gross. citizen, as a private citizen. Um, so, you know, just my just a quick aside. Indict the motherfucker already, please. Um, 
but we also have seen tell us how you really feel don't hold no back i'm gonna i'm holding back for i'm gonna i'm saving some for later <laughs> um you know we've seen that there was evidence of witness tampering and witness intimidation so far in these hearings we've seen how poll workers whose job it was simply to hold free and fair elections and make sure that the elections were free and fair were were threatened and we see that increasing exponentially across this country now. Uh, so it sort of feels in some ways that this, 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 these hearings and the findings of the, this committee are kind of a microcosm of all of the horrors we're facing as a very threatened democracy. Um, anyway, so uh, George, what, what, again, the, the most the important most thing that stuck out to you in the past and what you're looking for today? Um, I'm going to echo Jen in that I think uh, Cassidy Hutchinson was just explosive, you know, in terms of the thing that came that came that comes nearest and dearest to the Donald. I would say uh, Cassidy um, that her testimony was porn to me. Um, what isn't political right. porn? Political porn. Thank you for the clarification, Brian. I appreciate <laughs> that. So I don't sound like That's a total perv. <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, gosh, what am I looking forward to today? Or rather, I don't want to say it that way. Yeah, um, like, what do you think they need to do to bring it home today? And, there can, you know, there are many more than one thing, I'm sure. But perhaps, in, like, what's top of mind for you? Uh, what's on my mind right now, perhaps that, that you know, Donald knew what was coming and not just went ahead with it, but actually fomented it as it was happening. Yeah. In his way. Yeah. Like it wasn't, Oh wow. Look what's ha Look what's happening. This was expected. Yep. Absolutely. I would love to see, I would love to see those two dots connected. Yeah. But totally. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brian. Well, I, I just put in the private chat. To, like, what, what to do to bring it home? I think, um, when I spoke with Jamie Raskin last week, he said, look, we've we've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of this was done for Donald Trump's benefit. If yep. uh, you don't think we've tied Donald Trump to it, then we really haven't done our job. So I think there's going to be a, 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 a I know there's going to be a, a doubling down on tying Donald Trump to all of what went on. And that will be the bow on the wrapper. And that will be, um, you know, what they'll take with them into uh, the midterm elections, as far as what was the most significant thing, just getting these hearings done was the most significant thing because the uh, Republicans tried desperately to uh, block it from occurring. And it took two very, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess brave Republicans to come forward and volunteer to be on this committee in this it context. Yeah. Yeah, and it took the committee, uh, it was an uphill battle to get people to talk, and uh, you wouldn't have not seen uh, Hutchinson if it had not been for the efforts of all these people uh, and their month-long struggle to get this, months-long struggle to get this information out there. So, you know, I, I agree with what you said earlier, um, uh, um Mary, when you said that, you know, one of the things that they've done, I think, is put together a very good presentation for the uh, public. It's a very good television. It's compelling. They've updated. I, I mean, I sat through and watched the uh, hearings, the <laughs> wonderful Watergate hearings uh, as a teen and thought, holy shit, this is boring as hell, but it's an important and I have to watch yeah. it. 
this was not boring as hell and you needed to watch it and they condensed the information and put it out there distilling it in a form and fashion that was easily digestible and by god i think has made a difference in yeah. uh what the country thinks of donald trump i know for a fact i'll end with this i know for a fact that in missouri where josh Hawley used to be king that there are people who today think of him as a, doing his chariots of fire impression, running away from from, from the, the hearing, and they only got to see him run like the little bitch that he is because yeah, of the January six hearing. But he wrote a whole book about being a manly man, so you know. Yeah, but I'm it's saying coming out in February, the manly yeah. man book. Yeah, he's he's losing support here yeah. in mid Missouri. That's great, and he should. And I, you know. <laughs> that's a conversation for another time because talking about Claire McCaskill and all sorts of things. <laughs> let's stick with it. So Dahlia, uh, what are you thinking? Um, I think that I'm thinking that this is everything everyone said about Trump, but also that this transcends Trump. And I think today's hearing has to connect what looks like ancient history, right? Stuff that happened in, uh, I don't know who's dropping books, but uh, stuff that happened in uh, January of 2021 uh, is actually the precursor for a much, much more vicious, organized, lawful <laughs> uh, 2024. And so I think, you know, that this frame of clear and present danger, that this is, we are not just doing uh, you know, a deep dive into into something that happened and uh, asking for accountability for something that happened. I think that this has to flag for people that all these election deniers, all these folks who are running for secretary of state, all these people who are shaking up poll workers, you know, the way we saw what happened to poll workers in the 2020 election, that all that stuff is happening. It has grown exponentially. It's occurring under color of law. Yeah, it's organized. And, um, and, and that it's lawful, that what looked yep. not lawful and what looked like a bunch of hooligans storming the Capitol is now happening in all sorts of ways across the country. And so I think this is a success if it lands on the note, not just Donald Trump knew what was happening, he egged it on, he delighted in it. That's half the story. But mm -hmm. that even if Donald Trump doesn't run in 2024, this is happening. It's still happening. It is as dangerous today because it comes under color of law as it was in 2020 when it was just a bunch of, you know, uh, nut bars running around taking the law into their own hand. And I think yeah. if voters can understand even a fraction of how dangerous and chilling that is, then this this is a, a, a successful hearing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, agree. I would argue that we, we're things are much worse now. Things are much more dangerous now. And the fact that uh, the insurrection isn't even an issue in November's election is very disturbing. And hopefully today we'll, we'll at least bump it back into people's consciousness. Uh, Adam. Um, you know, without mentioning any names, I was watching a certain uh, show on Showtime last night. And uh, I think, you know, when you actually see some of that footage from January 6th again, it just brings back how serious this was. It's easy to forget yeah. just how insane it was. So I think seeing some of that stuff, but also some of the clips that um, that are always news to us. And then, you know, in the non-serious part, I always love when they throw in, you know, the unnecessary clip of the Dr. Pepper, you know, being thrown back or Josh Hawley running. So... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Cliff. 
Um, I obviously want what everybody here wants, which is to, this to be made completely clear that Donald Trump is at the center of this and uh, of this coup past coup attempt and, uh, and should go to prison for it. But much more than that, and sort of along the lines of something Dahlia was saying, I want this to make clear that this was one small part of a so much larger, to quote a very smart woman, vast right-wing conspiracy um, that has been all about, it looks like they're coming in and I should shut up soon, but basically started before the election, had legal parts of it, illegal parts of it, a thug wing, a political wing, and that top Republicans from you know Ted Cruz, who came in second in the primaries, to Newt Gingrich, a former Speaker of the House, to others, are as much guilty in this as Donald Trump is and as much a threat to us as the future. It is all of them. Yeah. Uh, I think we're starting, but there seems Select to be also... Oh, there we go. Okay. January 6th. Here we go. That took a turn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I know that substance is, of course, the thing that matters most. But as we've talked about often here, the production values, the, the, the way this, this, the presentation is edited, if you will, also matter. Um, and I, I honestly don't quite understand what they were trying to accomplish through the first hour and 20 minutes of this. Other, that couldn't have been accomplished in 15 minutes, right? Um, you know, we have, we have the, the fact that this is much less engaging and dramatic when you don't have live witnesses. Um, we have the fact that there was a lot of information that we'd already seen, and I get it, it's been a while, so you know it's not bad to be reminded, although, as I think Ali said earlier, it would have been very helpful if they had informed us when they were repeating something and when information was new. Um, because uh, what's not right? Dahlia? You're muted. I meant what I was, what I texted to Jen oh. about the dark like, Sorry, sorry, you're you're killing it. No, no, no. It. no I'm, I'm I'm killing. It. <laughs> They're not. That's what's worrying. Okay, so so I kind of in, in this very brief period of time we have, I I want to see, and also hi Wash, and I appreciate your braving the elements <laughs> to join us today because I I know exactly how you feel. Um, sort of. I. Uh, what what do you think was the purpose of the first hour and 20 minutes of this hearing? Um, and because I'll tell you, I think it's a huge mistake to make it all about like all about Donald, like to the exclusion of everything and everybody else um, without pointing out repeatedly that so many of the witnesses were complicit in all of this. <laughs> And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we're having these hearings is because they didn't come forward in real time. Um, and I just I just hope people were still paying attention by the time we got to what I believe are going to be um, 
the most important revelations we hear today uh, about the Secret Service, because again, one of the the things this this thing this these hearings have to accomplish is indicting our systems. And if they're also not, if they're also not making this uh, a a play to have what happened on January sixth relevant to the midterms, and I'm, I don't really know what the purpose is. Uh, but uh, Jen, why don't you go ahead and start start with that uh, breaking news? Because oh, sure. I mean, you, you know, it's interesting. We we were very quiet, but we communicate like you all do. We look at your comments, even though we can't comment to you. And uh, what we, I think you saw and what we saw is, some, uh, I guess, a leak or breaking news that the committee is planning to vote today to subpoena Donald Trump. And remember, at the outset, there was this comment by the chair saying this isn't just a regular committee meeting hearing. It's a regular work meeting so we can vote. And when he said that, I thought they were just going to vote on making a referral or something to the DOJ. I had no idea until about 10 minutes ago that they're going to vote to subpoena him, which is fucking fantastic, I think is the legal term. It is fucking fantastic. And I'm not a lawyer, so forgive me for banding about legal terms. Um, but what what's the point? Uh, because... We're going to have the same issues we've had with every other person, every other non-cooperating witness who's who's potential witness who's been subpoenaed. Um, you know, the DOJ did nothing about Mark Meadows. Uh, Mark Meadows' refusal to do his duty as an elected, uh, uh, sorry, as somebody as part of the executive branch. Uh, Steve Bannon, we're still, that's still playing out. And how many, what, what has it been a year and a half now? I don't even know. It's been a very long time. So seriously, what I, I'm not being, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not, I'm not taking this lightly. I think on the one hand, it is, it is quite a spectacular move because it just shows you how serious this is. On the other hand, though, is, I mean, is that it? Dahlia, I mean, what are your thoughts about this? No, I, I uh, said strike from the record everything I said in the lead up when I said this transcends Donald Trump. This is about the future. Um, the point cannot be to just look backward because this has infected every single part of the midterms in the 2024 election. And clearly I'm wrong. Clearly, we're going to do ancient history with an eye toward, I guess, I mean, now I understand at least that the reason we're relitigating Trump's state of mind, which is clearly the purpose of this entire, I think, hearing today was to go through. He knew, he knew, he knew everything. He knew he lost. He was going to say this before he lost. He had, you know, multiple pieces of bad advice that he knew were bad advice. He continued to take them. So I think we've established his state of mind. I, like you, kind of question the value of trying to affix a state of mind to somebody who has no like state of mind. I just think it's not a useful enterprise, like as a legal matter or as a political matter. And the only thing I can think, and someone tell me I'm wrong, is that, you know, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinsinger didn't want to turn this into a political conversation about the midterms, that they were not prepared to say, let's talk about Josh Hawley, let's talk about uh, Mitch McConnell, let's talk about all the election deniers who are still in office and running for office 
And I can't think why you would sort of narrow the aperture to just fighting about what Donald Trump knew uh, in the fall of 2020 and the winter of 2021, because whether or not this whole thing sort of ends in a spectacular, you know, uh, uh, effort to question Donald Trump, it's never going to get anywhere. So I, I just worry a little bit. I think this is what you're saying, Mary, that if the, the, the great climactic scene here is we're going to bring Donald Trump in and nothing happens, then what was the point of all these hearings? Yeah, Waj, it is. I, I, it's just mystifying. It, it seems like a huge missed opportunity. It's so repetitive. I mean, I don't know. Up until the Secret Service part, I'm not entirely sure how much new information we got. I very little, I think. Um, so what? If indeed, I mean, I've heard both Cheney and Kinziger say that if you're an election denier, if you're supporting the big lie, then you're part of the problem. So. I don't know if that and I mean, I think it's fair to say that having a problem with people who support the big lie, that's not political. That's pro-democracy. But I don't know. Watch. What are you thinking? So just based on their strategy, what they've done so far, it's a cliff notes uh, summary because Americans have the attention span of gnats. And we've already forgotten that Herschel Walker has birthed like 800 children. <laughs> <laughs> You know, seriously, you already just, like just 800, like maybe 832 and ask like 45 of them to like pay for their abortions is done. And instead, we're talking about John Fetterman. Did you see he uses closed captioning? It's over. That's the story now. Right. So mm -hmm. Americans have the attention span of Nats. Democrats realize that. And they realize it's been a long time, unfortunately, since the last hearing. So they're doing their greatest hits in, in the first hour and a half. Right. But are they? I well, mean, it seems like a lot has been alighted. It seems like this is only about Donald and his state of mind and nothing else. So I think the reason for that is, is they're queuing up or trying their best to queue up the DOJ. What they're trying to do is show American public, especially with that Georgia phone call, right? That's a dead to rights to me. And we've talked about this on your show a lot. Mm -hmm. For those who are, again, who missed that, you know, he picks up the phone and he calls the, the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, and he says, find me the votes. And thank God you have D.A. Fannie Willis on the ground doing her deal. You got the criminal case, excuse me, got the civil case in New York. And now it's up to the DOJ to be like, we have shown that Donald Trump in Georgia on the day of beforehand, the state of mind. He knew what was happening. He intended it to happen. He was working in concert with other Republicans. And I know that's where you're frustrated. And all of us are rightfully frustrated because we're not mentioning the names of everyone else who is uh, part of it. But this is a conspiracy that was orchestrated and deliberate. And also that, that comment that there weren't any armed folks. No, Secret Service itself tipped them off, right? So DOJ, this is my take. You're asking me why they're doing it, whether it's right or wrong. I believe this is the, the, the House panel realizing they're probably going to be lame duck in a month. There's only so much they can do just to show the base and the American people that they will do something. They'll subpoena. It's not going to go anywhere, but it's a pretty bold step uh, mm -hmm. for them to do it. Uh, they said, we have excised all of our powers. We did what we could. DOJ, it's up to you now. The, the pressure then, this is Adam Schiff putting the pressure on Garland. And, and I'll say this also uh, based on an interview I had with Schiff at South by Southwest last March, uh, which is available on, you can see it on YouTube. I asked him, I'm like, 
I'm sitting here as a recovering unfrozen caveman lawyer, and I see enough for the DOJ to prosecute. If this was anybody else, this guy would be indicted, right? And Adam Schiff agreed with me. And he said, you should ask Merrick Garland. And specifically, if you look at Georgia, that itself is dead to right. So that's the case I think they're trying to do. What I would like to see in the second half is I would like to see, oh, I don't know, the mention of Ginny Thomas. I would like to see them, you know, like missed opportunity, Democrats, missed opportunity. Uh, with Mark Meadows, I think Jen in our private chat section was was uh, insinuating maybe he's turned. We don't know. But I think now this is uh, what we're witnessing with two weeks left or three weeks left before the elections with everyone exhausted. Recap, making the case. And I think they are trying to hand deliver and or force the American public to ask Merrick Garland, what are you doing? So it's almost like a punt. Uh, yeah. I'm not using it. Uh, but that's that's why they're doing it. And I do hope in the second half, last thing I'll say is that they do mention some of the players that, Mary, I think you want. I think, you know, w- what we want them to say is this wasn't just Donald Trump. Right. This is an orchestrated ongoing coup attempt. Yeah. Um, and and George, we they just started getting into the Secret Service stuff. So presumably that will be a large part of of what they continue to focus on. Um, and. You know, I've been hoping for a long time that that the committee would also sort of do a compare and contrast. This is what Republicans were saying around January 6th. And this is what they've been saying since then. I We may have to do that to remind people just how craven <laughs> the people around, you know, surrounding this debacle are. Um, but Georgie, I, I mean... We've been talking about their sticking the landing. What, what I feel like they wasted it some time here. So I, they've got some ground to make up. What does sticking the landing look like at this point, considering I think they just started getting people's attention back? Yeah. Um, so. I'm going to sort of second what Waj had said. I think other than, you know, the first hour of this was a really overdrawn season one recap, like, You know, in case you're just tuning in or in case you didn't see season one, let's just do this. That's like really what it seemed like to me. Yeah, but leaving out 90 percent of the major characters. But again, understood. They have they have a time constraint. I get it. Um, And they're also they also seem to be making it crystal clear more so than I recall from season one. They seem to be (laughs) making it crystal clear uh, that he knew that he lost. Um, that seems to, that's being reiterated over and over again, um, in this, um, you know, season one, episode, season two, episode one, um, also reestablishing, uh, that there was a plan designed well before the election. Uh, we heard that, uh, between what Pascal said about what Donald Trump said back in July of 20 and what Bannon said, uh, and also what Roger Stone said, you know, no, we won. Fuck you. Like this, they, yep. no matter what happens, we're going to say he won and we're going to, you know, we're going to ram it through. We're just yep. really going to not to be crude. Um, and so yeah. to stick the landing, if I had to guess, I'm not in anyone's head. I'm no one's expert. Um, I would say they seem to be t- really taking their time playing to the cheap seats and teeing it up. 
-hmm. They're teeing up, teeing it up, maybe for the DOJ to make it really clear. And as we're hearing all this stuff about how Donald knew, Donald knew, Donald knew, the uh, Secret Service knew, they got the, you know, we had at least a 10-day heads up that January, the J6 was going to be like well-armed and nutty. Um, And, um, you know, and now what do we get the announcement? That they're going to subpoena him. Hmm. Accidental? I, I I don't know, but it seems like. Anyway, uh, Adam, I just want to get your quick take on, uh, and then Adam and then Brian, uh, like what what are the things that stand out to you, both in terms of the negatives and the positives in the last hour and a half? I think in a nutshell, it just kind of feels like we are, um, we're just jurors that have been here for 22 months waiting to convict this guy. And every time we reconvene, we find new people that there needs to be another case about. Um, mm. So, I mean, I think they're doing a great job. It just, it's like, I don't know. It's a little exhausting, but I'm excited about the vote. Yeah, just not riveting. And I, you know, the expectations were so high, Brian, right? Because well, in every other hearing, there has been this emotion. There's, we've been engaged. We've been completely drawn in, not feeling it today. Stay tuned. <laughs> I, I think um, you have to think of today in terms of sound bites for the campaign trail. And a lot of this stuff that you're seeing will be excerpt- excerpted and brought before uh, uh, an audience across the country in different districts. And with that said, we're getting ready to start again. And yep. I'll say that uh, the best is yet to come of this committee and what they've done today the morning is teeing it up. 6th. All right, Kimberly Gilfoyle. New. Here we the go. The crowd was angry. <laughs> Um, all right. I, I will never, um, question this committee again. I told you, I told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, in (laughs) fairness, (laughs) in fairness, I think that, uh, you know, there were some, I think the first half could have been more streamlined. Uh, you know, it did, it did, I think maybe lose some people and that's important, right? But, and maybe a little context would have been would have been helpful. Like, what are they building towards? And now we know. <laughs> um, so I guess they they certainly made up for the uh, lack of punch at the that beginning. Was a hell of a right cross at the end. I'll tell you that. I and lack, you know, lack I, of punch and no cookies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm feeling completely drained now. Uh, holy shit. Um, so take a nap. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) before I open it up, I just, I just want to remind everybody that, uh, you know, I've said this before that most of the people who, um, gave, I don't know if it's testimony, but who, who met in, who were there in person answering questions were Republicans. And, um, you know, again, very happy they came forward and stuff like that, but they could have come forward a year ago, year and a half ago, right? So I think we we only go can only go so far in 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 uh, in praising them. Uh, but you know, there were there are a lot of people who are actual heroes, um, and I don't use that word lightly. Uh, Shea Moss, Ruby Freeman, 
Anna Gnabroli and anybody else who did the right thing in real time or tried to do the right thing in real time and uh, who were thwarted, threatened, and otherwise had their lives completely upended. Um, so, you know, um, Alice, uh, since we're doing Brady Bunch and you're, you're in the center square. Or wait, who else is in the center? Who is in the center square? Because it's not just the Brady Bunch. Uh, what was that other? Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Square. Who is always the center square? Paul, Paul Lind. Paul Lind. All right. I think Paul Lind is an infinitely more interesting person than, no offense Paul, to Alice. The why do Hell's Angels wear leather? Because it's half of the wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and John Bauman was the host for many years, uh, who was Bowser, who now is a great left-wing activist uh, supporting Social Security, among other things. That is so cool. Fantastic. <laughs> Fun fact of the day. I feel like you win the nerd. Champion. I know, right? I think <laughs> I think we could just, the rest of us could just bow down and say, yeah. okay. Norm is, Norm is the grown-up in the room. I feel like I'm the <laughs> ethnic cousin who's making like a surprise appearance uh, for the Brady Bunch. Like, yeah, we're so fucking white. It's I love it's a little disturbing. <laughs> I'm definitely Jan. Yeah. <laughs> Always I resentful. I don't think that helps. Anyway. Waj is actually just filling in for Kurt. <laughs> I am Kurt. <laughs> All right. Before we before we get totally out of control, um, and I think I, you know, I definitely am feeling like I need to decompress a little bit because that was uh, between the footage of uh, the Congress people under attack trying to get somebody to help them when the person who could have gotten them help immediately, Donald Trump, was trying to get them all killed. Let's be honest about this, right? Um, and then just, you know, wrapping it up and, and, and look, I think it's a good thing that they're, uh, subpoenaing Donald regardless of what comes of it, but it is still devastating. This is such a tragedy. Like the, the tragedy, especially if it doesn't make the difference, if, if steps aren't taken, uh, to hold people accountable and make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again. This is a tragedy for this country. Um, so, uh, Ali, I'm going to start with you, then go to Norm. Um, I just want to kind of get your sense of where you think this last hearing leaves us. Um, you know, is it enough? What will... Will it matter for the midterms or, you know, will it matter at all? I guess. Yeah. Well, I think I agreed with you that the first half was extremely hard to follow. It was a little boring. Yeah. Um, they didn't streamline it. They weren't even telling us really what footage was new or what wasn't. Right. So it was hard to follow. Um, so for that reason, I don't, I didn't think that this was necessarily for the midterms um, or for to sway voters. I feel like people were watching this at this point, like, they already have their mind made up mm. or they know they've been following. They know what's been happening. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, other than the last 20 minutes of showing that footage, which was shocking to watch um, and like visceral, I feel like. Yeah. And and then of course, subpoenaing um, Trump. I mean, I'm not really sure exactly how much this will sway the court of public opinion, but I hope that it's enough evidence 
talking about how it was premeditated and um, all these people knew like Brad Pascal, or Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, they all knew that he, he lost and that he was going to declare victory. They knew of the plan. And so I'm just looking for criminal referrals at this point of all these bad actors. Yeah, Norm, I, I, total agreement there i i'd like to think that the doj is ahead of this but uh who knows i mean they kind of have a lot on their plate not that that's an excuse um but i think you know in there are, in some ways this is more important well you know what i don't even want to go down the road it needs <laughs> there do need to be criminal referrals there need to be indictments and uh you know like ali just said norm so many people who were involved in this have you know continued to roam free they knew exactly what was not only they didn't just know but they were participating in it taking the fifth on things like do you believe in the peaceful transfer of power in the united states i'm going to take the fifth there you know that was michael flynn and, and just said you know to be reminded that that the people donald always surrounds himself with are the weakest they're the most craven they're the least worthy and, uh, you know, we see the, the people at the Capitol that they taking orders. We got our order to stand down, they say, <laughs> you know, it, and it just, I think all makes some, and I know, oh God, I feel like we've been saying this for six years, some kind of accountability has to come of this. Do you think they did a good enough job today to get us farther down that road? Uh, yes, I do. And I mean, there's so many different areas we can pursue here. Um, this is not going to change anybody's minds. If we're lucky, it will activate more voters who understand that this was a beta test, that we came within inches of losing our democracy, and that uh, we had better get out there and vote and make sure that we don't lose it the next time around. And obviously, it's aimed at the Justice Department. I think what we've seen in the last week is that the evidence for indicting Trump on uh, the Mar-a-Lago documents is now overwhelming. I don't see how you can avoid it, especially now that we have testimony that he, after the subpoena, made sure that these documents were sent up to his residence at Mar-a-Lago. And at some point, I got to believe they're going to do uh, searches of Bedminster, uh, uh, Trump Tower, and we may find more. Now we have just even more powerful evidence that he needs to be indicted for inciting an insurrection, and we need to get court cases that make sure he can't run for office again under the 14th Amendment. All of that is there. Um, I was struck by a couple of other things. It was the multiple referrals for, uh, uh, to the Justice Department. The Justice Department doesn't need referrals but the referrals from a congressional committee after a careful investigation have got to be a powerful impetus to go ahead and right. indict. Right. And uh, that uh, Rudy Giuliani has not been brought to justice uh, up to now, just had a law license suspended, that all these other miscreants uh, have not been brought to justice is outrageous. But let's also add the moral cowards, the ones who know better, who knew better, who have bent their knees and gotten on their knees for Donald Trump, including the vast majority of Republicans in the House and Senate, 
And uh, to me, as depressing as anything is that uh, they had their lives threatened. We know the game here, and this is, I think, as powerful as anything today, was to see people killed so that he could invoke the Insurrection Act. Uh, that knowing that their own lives and those of their staffs were on the line, that they then turned around to protect this guy is a, among the most disgusting things that I can imagine for anybody in public life. That's why I can't even be in the room with most of these people now, including some I'd worked with before. And I hope among the referrals will be at least referrals to the House and Senate ethics committees for people who were complicit in this. We now know that Ron Johnson lied over and over again about the communications that he had on that day. And that that asshole is now a favorite to win re-election is among the most disturbing elements that we have through all of this. If we had any integrity in Congress, these people would be expelled or at least censured. And I don't have any confidence that that's going to happen. Yeah, Dahlia, that's something that's worried me for a long time. It's the ability of our institutions to police themselves. Um, we have at least 10 senators who are seditionists. We have over 140 in the House, um, all of whom were supporting uh, actively or passively the overturning of a free and fair election. And, you know, Norm mentioned some of these names. We have how many lawyers who have committed crimes for Donald Trump, with the exception of Giuliani, whose license was suspended, as far as I know, they all still have law licenses. What the fuck? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's... I, I, I made a note where... Um, Liz Cheney was saying, you know, in addition to criminal referrals, we're making structural reforms. And then she said, we're reforming the Electoral Count Act. So this can never happen again. And that felt like the just tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Like, awesome, awesome yeah. that that's happening. But the enormity of the rest of the problem is just like cannot be escaped. And it's, you know, one of the things I think that you're, reflecting Mary and you, Norm, is that the cowardice is so, it's so manifest at every level. And then we're like cheering because Mick Mulvaney testifies that on January 6th, he suddenly realized that Donald Trump wasn't the leader <laughs> that we needed. And it's like just the, 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 the bare minimum over and over and over again is... Um, so brutally obvious. I guess the one thing, I mean, I, I want to really re-up what Norm just said, because to me, I think that is the problem is that, uh, you know, as I've said time and time again, I think it's a mistake to hyper-focus on Donald Trump, because I think what's coming both in the midterms and 24 is so dangerous. But I also think, you know, one of the, 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 the turns I didn't expect, and I wonder how it landed, was having that video of Mitch McConnell, having the video of Kevin McCarthy. I think those things were, I like to think campaign ads. I think, you know, to some degree, it was a way of saying these are the people who were cowards 
until they weren't cowards and they're cowards again. And, and I think that landed to some degree. And I thought, you know, just Brian had promised us earlier that this had more to do with the midterms than was clear uh, in the first half. And that was really the first moment where I sat up and kind of went like, uh, they're trying to make a point about, you know, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and all the people who voted uh, not to certify. So that, I thought that was a good turn, but I think by and large, you know, the feeling that we're all having is that this is by almost every measure at every turn, the bare minimum of patriotism from the most people uh, and very, very few. And as you've noted before, and we'll note again, unerringly, you know, the people who come forward and are really heroes tend to be women and they tend to be people of color and they tend to be people with so very much to, to, to lose. And some of these guys who are just sitting there smugly in their Zooms taking the fifth, uh, you know, those guys, it, there's no there's no reason to believe there's going to be action. And so I I agree with you. I think this is not a, a, a retrospective on what happened before. I think this has to be a prospective on what's coming. And to that degree, I worry that all this kind of backward focus on trying to get Donald Trump to testify and to produce documents uh, misses the point that like tick tock, tick tock, I think uh, something much worse is coming and it's coming at us so fast yeah. uh, that we can't even name it. Yeah. I, I, Kathy, welcome. Um, can I, can I ask a question that's like, hopefully on topic, will this, cause I know everyone's like trying to get him to sit down. What do you guys think um, Trump will use as an excuse to get out of E. Jean Carroll's deposition next week. And do you feel like he has like oh. almost like a, a, like a list of like excuses, like it's a storm or it's an illness, but I mean, I, I always show up to my depots. I guess that's me, but in civil court, I don't know what the penalty is if you don't show up for a depot when you're ordered to. Well, first of all, I, I hope Marla is okay. Um. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, no, I do hope she's okay uh, in general. I do, I hold I have gossip because I know that I don't, I'm not like smart one. So, okay, my dear departed friend, Joan Rivers, said that even though she was scared of Donald, although he liked her and all this stuff, but she said that she took him out to lunch one time when he spoke with Marla and she like yelled at him, like, you can't be this cheap, like you have a kid and everything. But he was bizarrely like not wanting to give her a single penny when mm -hmm. that went down. But we all know we called her back to be a Trump Tower in the lobby. I digress. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think we could all use a little levity at the moment because, you know, this was another really tough. Another so really what tough happens character. if he doesn't show up for Eugene's depot? Well, he could be held accountable. He could be prosecuted for it, but will they? Listen, he showed up for the one in New York. I mean, I know, I know the Eugene case is, is one that really gets under his skin. Um, but you know, I I think he he showed up for the New York one. Um, but the difference is and, he can't take the fifth in this one. Yeah, it's oh, also that's that's right. George Conway had a great point, which is his defense for the comments was, "I'm president, and that was in my official capacity." Then after he got this. Uh, subpoena, he repeated all of those comments, and he's no longer president. It was brilliant, because now he could be held to account for comments that he made that are defamatory when he's just a private citizen. Yeah, Norm, Thank it you, was... Norm, he's still president. It was... Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if he's still president, then he can't run for re-election in 2024. That's 
Okay, let's get back on track. Um, and and just you know, underscore the fact that what Norm just said, Donald just defamed E. Jean Carroll again using exactly the same language yeah. yesterday as a private citizen. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he'll be um, but you know, to Kathy's point, like what it what are the uh, what recourse does the the plaintiff have if he doesn't show up? I can can he be compelled? I I mean, what? Yeah. How? Okay. How? Jen, he's you're, never you're, been compelled. John, before. Jen Go knows ahead, better Jen. than anybody. I know this. Go ahead. I know this. I, it's I, called, I was going there. It's called obstruction of justice. Thank you. Okay, he's been doing that since he was a toddler. Yeah, but Robbie Kaplan will go do something about it. I mean, I, mean, I haven't spoke to Robbie Kaplan. No, no, but, but okay, but like what, I guess that's my question. What are the actual steps? It's a that... criminal statute. It's the same thing that happened. So it's the same thing that happened to um, Steve Bannon, who was about to be um, no. sentenced. You know, it's, it's this is, um, it's a kind of- A year time. later. What? A year later. Yeah. The wheels I mean, of justice turn slowly. The question mm -hmm. is this, whether he's going to show up and tell the truth, show up and not remember anything, show up and lie or not show up, but. Or all of the above. Or, you know, I think, I think he's going to have to show up and just act like he doesn't remember anything. That's and typically... Judge Kaplan is pissed at him. Judge, I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's got, he, I've not seen a judge this angry at him who's just called him out on running out the clock and, you know, like making excuses. I mean, this is not a judge who's going to entertain a whole bunch of like it's raining claims. This is a judge who made pretty clear this week that he's done with this. So the I don't can't eat the homework this time. And no relation to Robbie, even though they have no. the same last name, but just as right. tough. Yeah. Um, point but, to make about today real quick. Hang on one second. Let me just wrap this up. Uh, okay. And then, and then to you, Brian, and then back to Kathy. Um, so, I guess I agree. I think he does have to show up, and it will be. I, I have had the great misfortune of reading a couple of his depositions. They're incredibly boring. He doesn't know. He doesn't re recall, or he says vague. He makes vague statements that have no logical, no internal logic, or no logical consistency that falls short of lying. So I, I think it would be more of that. Uh, go ahead, Brian. I, I think the purpose of today, as I said earlier, was about midterms, but what you came away with at the end of the day is that this committee may not exist after the elections, midterm elections. They have to make a statement. They don't need to refer uh, cases to the DOJ. The DOJ can take them up without, you know, and right. by the way, have been working hand in hand with, everyone that's involved in investigating Donald Trump. But mm -hmm. what the purpose today was more than anything else was to set it clear and, and tell people that there is, there are boundaries and encourage people to respect those boundaries. Because if we don't, what's going to happen after, you know, I, I wrote today in a column about consequences and thank you, Norm, for your uh, inspiration in that there are consequences to what happens and if we do not accept the limits uh, and that in the fact that everyone is responsible to the law, then those consequences are going to be far worse 
going forward, you will see a, a renewal of the stuff that happened January 6th, and we will have problems that we will not be able to address because authoritarianism will take over. So the purpose of today was laying a foundation to for going forward on how to uh, handle these things in the future. I, I, I wait to see. I mean, that's pie in the sky stuff. I just like the fact that they called him on, called the question today and said, get your ass in here and talk to us, you slimy piece of shit. That was only, that, that was just, you know, uh, intimated, but you know, we all heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Kathy, I think that that is, that is right. They, they needed a very strong parting shot. They need part of it, I think is just helping the rest of us not be demoralized, you know, and, and giving us some, some energy going into the midterms. Uh, and that did it. Yeah, that did it. But also, Kathy, the, you know, the idea that it is not it is not just Donald. There will be um, other many other people that they that they try to hold uh, accountable. Is that the sense you got or just in general? What were your takeaways from today? Well, just just because as you guys, I always tell you guys, I always I follow all the, cra the crazies. Apparently, the Secret Service and I have the same text that day watching the crazies at home except they should have fucking been there because we all knew about the crazies because our team had a hashtag called hashtag don't take the bait. And that was a big movement on any lefty side and any, I hate to use the word Antifa, but let's just say my friends who are anti-fascist and post a lot about- Which hopefully is all of them. Yes. And so because there was like so much violence the night before on the 5th and- the Trump magas had really decided to officially turn on the cops. And there's a ton of footage of them the night before trying to get cops to fight with them and stuff. But in the meantime, I guess I'm, I'm frustrated with DOJ, like we all talk about, but I watched this stuff and it seems to me Mike Flynn and Joe Flynn are like way more dangerous than Roger Stone at this point. So they're having these, I call them barn burners every single weekend. And they started out being like 10 people in Margie Taylor Green in some hick town. And now they're giant conventions everywhere. And he's Flynn's not fucking around with his digital army. So I'm still fearful and want to know the logic besides the DOJ lets us down. Why wouldn't they start trying to get these folks off the street who are saying we're going to show up at these polling places en masse, much more than we talked about it in 2020. In 2022, they're getting groups together. It's almost like when Ginny was helping with the buses. So I'm fearful of what that crowd is doing because they're like a little under the radar, I think, for the committee. Um, oh shit! I thought I thought I had I thought we had three more minutes with Norm, um, but um, yeah, I I think you know to that point, George. Um, one thing I I kind of wish they had done is one spend more time on the Secret Service issue. Like, I want to hear right, more of those, those right. emails and texts. And, and, you know, what was also sort of missing, the kind of framing Kathy's talking about, not just that, you know, Mike Flynn pleaded the fifth about was it morally wrong or was it legally wrong to commit violence against the United States government on January 6th, but that he's still getting his military pension. His brother is the general of the allied Asia? Um, I don't remember precisely, but it's got a really big fucking job in the U.S. military, uh, yeah. which in, in many other cases would be considered a security risk. And, you know, we just don't have enough information or 
you know, like I was sort of wishing they would say the reason that we can't say more about the Secret Service is because they deleted X number of thousands of of uh, te uh, texts that were illegally written on WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah. Right, George? So like it felt like that was a missed opportunity. Who knows what happened with the Secret Service? You know, I just got a new iPhone. Everything transferred over just fine. And I'm not a professional. Mm. What the fuck? So weird. Please spare me that bullshit story. Um, also, this this whole thing was like a summation, and I'm just like to sort of wrap it up in a bow, if one can. Um, you know, a big summation for this the limited series um, and this brief second season that we had here today. Also, as uh, like as Dahlia was saying, the bare minimum of patriotism and duty. I'm sorry. No Scooby snacks for opting to not commit treason. You don't get Scooby snacks for that. You know, you don't get a star and a sticker for doing what doing your goddamn job. You know, you get the stickers for going above and beyond. Anyway, that that's right. Uh, um, I, I, I don't know. I think the agenda maybe today was to just fire people up as a civilian uh, and to sort of reinvigorate uh, the consciousness um, of people watching or paying attention. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is what happened. I forgot about that for a minute. Um, you know, to just get us all reacquainted and back on the same page. And let's not forget, we got some elections coming up and we need some action here. Um, what does astound me and what will always astound me um, is why this guy, why Donald keeps getting away with what he keeps getting away with. Like, how he's got this goddamn far. He's not yeah. that clever. You know, what no. is this? Like, who sprayed him with Teflon? Um, my grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. It, it is. It's a pattern that's repeated. And, you know, I'm I'm with you. Like, this is unfortunately, just, like, I, like, tragically, I... like something I have to think about, like, forever. Mm -hmm. How the fuck did somebody like him? So spectacularly unexceptional on a myriad fail of levels. So spectacularly upward. Uh, right. Yeah. And and how, you know, he does. He's not clever. He's not smart. Um, but I think what we saw today or, or, you know, what was reinforced today is that he's he's very good at finding people who are weaker than he is to manipulate. That's sure. one. And when it comes to protecting his ego, when it comes to protecting himself from humiliation, he is really good at playing the long game because, as they pointed out, he started talking months before the election about not conceding, no matter what, right. before one vote had been cast. But I would argue he's been doing that since 2016. Uh, so, Well, they registered Stop the Steal in 2016 because they thought he was going to lose in 2016. I think Stone and, right. I think Stone and actually Bannon, they started that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm also like, don't listen to me. What do I know? All right, you guys, I gotta go. I love you guys. I feel very smart. And my friends were impressed that I even know you guys. <laughs> love you, Kathy. Thank you so much. Right, See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Um, so I, let's see. I, I see your note, Dahlia. I don't understand it. So if you don't want, I'm not going to say anything unless you want to say something. But this was I, the thing that he was like, don't let anyone know that the Supreme Court just decided against me. Like, oh. 
All I could think of was like Mr. Burns being like, have the Rolling Stones killed. Right. What did he I, think yeah. was going to happen that was going to make you not know that he lost in the Supreme Court? What was the plan? It just was, I was just making a joke about you're like, he will do anything to protect his ego. And it's like, guess what? People are going to find out that you lost at the Supreme Court, man. Yeah, and and I it would have I would have found that really funny because I totally misunderstood. I thought you were saying let's not inform people of what the Supreme Court decided today. Sorry, and for those yeah. of you who don't know, what the Supreme Court decided today was not to uh, look at Donald's stupid um, whatever it was. They're going to let the the Eleventh Circuit continue doing what it's doing, and this and and uh, the DOJ continue doing what it's doing with the Mar-a-Lago case so uh, he lost again in the supreme court is basically uh, mm -hmm. what that's about um I, I i think one of the one of the things that we always have to grapple with here is that we're we're listening we've been listening to all of these hearings uh with with inc the increasing increasingly alarming fact that uh <laughs> Democrats still might lose in the midst, which I, I swear to God, it makes me so, I, I cannot process it that the Democrats might still lose the house and may, may lose the Senate. I don't know. Uh, polls are tightening. Polls are inconclusive in, in a lot of cases. Uh, and, and once again, we seem to be back at this, Republicans can be as awful as they want to be and they can still win. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that I know that the, for example, in Georgia, uh, the difference between Walker and, and uh, Warnock has widened. Warnock has a bigger lead, but he should be winning by 99 points. Agreed. Right. But, but the, the Republicans seem to have three major qualifications for someone in their like a new candidate coming up. You must either be stupid, um, crazy, or evil. Ideally, all three. Like I think Marjorie Taylor Greene taps all three. She's a unicorn. Um, but the Republicans are really good at winning. And, um, oh God, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to say this without sounding like a guy I don't want to sound like, but do we want to, do we, do we want to be right or do we want to win? That's the question I'm going to put in the air. All right. I'm going to say both. Dahlia. I, I actually think, um, George just cracked the mystery for me, which is tribalism right that's the answer tribalism mm -hmm. is the answer it doesn't matter if you're stupid or evil or you know a sociopath clearly uh, they don't care if it's your tribe and i wonder if that kind of cracks open why we just had this hearing because this was a freaking three-hour infomercial of this is what your tribe believes and yeah. I just wonder if the best possible way to dislodge any lingering, like, I don't know, maybe Herschel Walker, like, does have 17 children and paid for a bunch of abortions and, like, can't explain himself, but, you know, he's in my tribe, is just to remind people what your tribe was doing on January 6th and that all the people in your tribe who explicitly disavowed that on January 6th and 7th 
are back in the tribe now. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder right. if this wasn't like, because I'm like you, Mary, I'm just wondering what exactly landed today. And I wonder if, George, that's part of the answer is that's fine. You can live with Herschel Walker, I guess, in Georgia. But can you live with the fact that this is what Donald Trump and all the people who have remained loyal to him did on January 6th? Mm -hmm. Jen? Yeah, I've been thinking about what you all are saying. Um, I want to win and I want to be right. And I think what's going on here around tribalism is there are some folks who are going to always vote and always vote Democratic ticket. There are some folks who are always going to vote Republican no matter what. We always talk about this. It's the people who are not necessarily registered independent, but aren't in a tribe or another. That's always what matters. And, you know, even what, you know, way back to Bill Clinton, he would not have won. He only won a plurality. Ross Perot pulled away independence, which meant that he could win. You go back every single election and we are a hugely divided country. And so when I think about, yes, this was this thing saying, look, you know, Adalia, you hear what you're saying. They're saying, well, maybe this is your tribe. You know, now nah, they're just going to say those are the rhinos, right? All we have hope for is getting people who say both parties are all the same. They're just the same. What difference does it make? I'm just going to vote for the one who lowers my taxes. We want them to say, oh, my God, the Republicans are fucking crazy. What was the thing? They're crazy, stupid, crazy, or evil. stupid or evil and chaos. And I think that's the question. Are they going to tune into this and say, I've had enough of these crazy Republicans? And that's entirely what that is. And, you know, we need to get out our base, but we need to get through independence to decide to vote Democratic. And I'm the only concern, the things that they're going to be concerned about, abortion is huge. These crazy people's huge. But on the other hand, grocery prices, you know, and this is where we are now. I get I, it, but I keep telling my, I, I, I keep telling my audience uh, on Instagram and um, on TikTok as well, I suppose. Um, the Republican Party wants me, like I said, people, if you care about me, as a gay man, just understand that they would like me in conversion therapy to pretend I'm straight and get a wife or to have me hang from a tree and then toss me in a mass grave. That's what they want. They're going full fucking Gilead here. If that's what they want. And if your taxes are worth it, knock yourselves out right. and please cut me out of your life. Yeah, George, that reminds me of, uh, I mean, I guess you and I could marry each other and just, you know. Sure. Be on the safe side. Let's but, do a Barry and Diane. Um, what? Who? I, I don't know. But anyway. Later. <laughs> we'll do, yes, we'll do that later. Um, offline, as they yeah. say. Um, it's like in Georgia, you know, uh, it is a waste of time to talk about Republican hypocrisy. Why are people still going to vote for Herschel Walker, even though, according to them, He's murdered children because they think with his vote in the Senate, he will prevent the murder of many, many more children. That's how these people think. Stop trying to make it be logical to, to convince them of anything. It's a waste of time. What we need to do, I think, going along with uh, Jen, what you were saying is help people understand that, uh, the kitchen table issues aren't gas prices and um, inflation. The kitchen table issues are reproductive justice and 
whether or not we're a fucking democracy after November. So um, to that end, um, I hope that this these hearings have helped at least some people understand that, uh, you know, what's at stake here is what we believe ourselves to be, essentially. Um, so I just want to get everybody's last thoughts. It's been a marathon. Yeah. Um, and every we've been dropping like flies. I'm going to go see Jamie Lee Curtis fight Michael <gasps> Myers one last time. Oh, that sounds so awesome. Uh, okay, George, last thoughts. <laughs> um, uh, Besides, just... of course, that Halloween, the original Halloween, was one of the greatest movies ever made. Ever, ever. ever. No argument here. Um, and shot for $5. Um, uh, we're better than this. And hopefully, you know, this, 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 as you're uh, sort of tailing off what you were saying there, Mary, um, hopefully we're better than this. And I keep reminding people, you know, please let's get out and vote. The midterms are super important. Uh, they want, they're going for Handmaid's Tale. Like, I'm not even kidding anymore. No, it's true. Except Gilead and, ha- Gilead and Handmaid's Tale has a really much better taste with dress and decor than Republicans do. But they're going for Gilead. Um, and they're getting watch, it in every, some places already. Every time I watch an episode, I watched last night's episode, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is what Republicans are after. This is yeah. what it's going toward. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and but, and a uh, lot of a lot of the people leading the way are white women. Mm-hmm. Just as mm-hmm. in Gilead. I mean, you know, we've got the Phyllis Schlafly's of the world to thank for that. Uh, Under yeah. his eye. Oh, ouch. Uh, Jen. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have to put my law hat on and do this as a giant issue spotter for a moment. And I heard really when we're talking about referrals for many indictments, I'm hearing three particular statutes. I'm hearing the obstruction of uh, Congress, which would be 18 U.S.C. 1512. Hi, students who are listening. I'm hearing um, conspiracy to defraud the United States under Section 371 of the same title. And I'm also hearing seditious conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those were statutes that um, Judge Carter um, referenced in that civil case where Eastman was trying to avoid handing over documents, claiming attorney-client privilege. And he's like, no, this is the crime fraud exception because I think you, you and Donald Trump more likely than not committed these crimes. What I saw today, it was in a lot of ways frustrating, but in a lot of ways to me, the answer to, again, um, mental state. I mean, there, there, I know there's a lot going on here. And then the other thing is, besides the three statutes, my last takeaway is watching Nancy Pelosi. She's the goat. Uh, watching her in that moment, in that room. Um, you know, I've already, you know, I've met her before. I was in a moderator panel she was on. Um, I mean, I, I just, I've seen her in action. And to, to think about how flipping scary that was and how she wasn't losing her shit and she also managed to be like so appropriate by saying poo poo instead of any other any other you know mad or some other word is fabulous. Uh, anyway, that's what I got. I love Nancy. Um, you know, she's gangster. Love her. Well, you know, Dahlia, that's we were what we saw in, in those terrifying moments was leadership. And I I've often wondered why that doesn't seem to matter to people or why they or how they can be so deluded as to look at somebody like Donald or Kevin McCarthy 
or any of these people and think that's a leader. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, last thoughts. No, that was, uh, that, that was it. That, that anybody who's on the fence, who's watching Nancy and Chuck Schumer just patiently, painstakingly calling the governor, getting the national guard, like doing what you would want someone to do if your house were on fire and Donald Trump has like two hours and 40 minutes unaccounted for where he's watching TV. And I guess Mark Meadows is passed out on the couch having feelings. And I just think like any <laughs> sentient human being knows which team they would like to be on if their house was on fire. And then just to sort of close uh, where George did, you know, I was having exactly that thought walking into the bureau this morning that imagine going to the polls and thinking like the DNC I had after my miscarriage is now subject to scrutiny in Virginia. Like imagine all of the people who can't get their methotrexate and can't get Ella and can't get plan B and all of those people who I think is everybody or somebody who knows somebody, the idea that we are not absolutely on fire the way we were the day after Dobbs goes to, I think, Waj's point about our four-second attention span. And so I just want people to think about how that felt and what's played out this summer in terms of women, women having to carry non-viable fetuses for months or to bleed out on the table before a hospital doctor or panel of doctors will say they're dying enough to- and children- emergency care or children who've been raped who can't get can't get care and i just think my god i mean to jen's point if that isn't a kitchen table issue or at least you know an examining table issue i don't know what the hell's wrong with us well there's a lot wrong with us and uh our media do us no favors um so you know which is why i am as always so grateful to all of you for everybody watching um all of the nerds produce excellent work outside of this show during the show, but also outside of the show, whether with their own podcasts or uh, articles they're writing or books they're writing, uh, they've written and uh, you should search all of them out. We'll try to put everything in the show notes, but um, this, this is, this is, they are uh, incredible sources of, of, accurate information uh you know they they synthesize things in a way that will help you understand what is at stake and 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 why the work we do matters um so once again it's been a kind of trying day uh but i'm incredibly uh honored to have you to share it with so uh elisa marco Adam Parkamenko, Brian Karam, Wajali, Norm Mornstein, Kathy Griffin, George Hahn, Jen Taub, Dahlia Lithwick, my Nerd Avengers. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you to all of you who are watching and who commented. Um, and uh, there will not be another January 6th hearing before the election, but something tells me we'll still have lots to talk about. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you soon. Thank you again for being here. Uh, I, that was quite quite hearing. I uh, definitely uh, ended up 
in a very riveting and profound place. Uh, it took a little while to get there, but um, it, it uh, def I think they did once again an exemplary job of helping us understand what, why we need to be paying attention to this. And um, you know, uh, between their subpoenaing Donald and the Supreme Court rejecting his his request, I think uh, you know it's a terrible day for him, which means it's a good day for the rest of us. So, um, <clears throat> obviously there's no show tonight because we went very long today. Uh, hope you all found it helpful and edifying. Um, we will be back Tuesday, of course, with our strategy session. Uh, what is that? That's like two weeks out from the election. Holy cow. Uh, with the Nerd Avengers. And then, of course, next Thursday, we'll have our regular interview show. So Tuesday, 12 p.m. noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You can go to youtube.com slash Politicon to see both of those episodes. Um, and while you're on Politicon's YouTube page, please um, follow, uh, subscribe to Politicon. Uh, it does not cost anything. It just helps if we have as many subscribers as possible. Like the episode. Um Leave a comment if you'd like and click on this bell because you will be sure to be notified every time a new episode or a new emergency session or a live stream or, or a new short video drops. And also, I uh, just want to remind you once again that next Thursday, I can't believe it's actually, no, sorry, next Friday, eight days. Amazing. We're having our very, very first live on stage uh, version of the Mary Trump show in Los Angeles at Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. That's next Friday, October 21st at 7.30 p.m. It would be absolutely awesome if uh, you were there. So uh, if there are still tickets left, uh, go, go to the link and check it out. Um, it will be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, and have a couple of nerd adventures with me as well. So that is it after a very, very, very long and emotional January 6th <clears throat> committee hearing. We are done. Uh, thank you again. I will see you next Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. And in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.